0: Welcome to Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about CPE, go to breadoflifeboise.org. It is another good day to go to the Word of God and there look to Jesus Christ as our only Savior and our complete sufficiency in all things. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. The great truth of the book of Hebrews, the great doctrine of the letter is this, Jesus Christ is the exalted Savior of all people, He has answered every point of need for the human heart sunk in sin and separated from God. He has brought us with himself into the presence and pleasure of a holy God. Now from this truth, Hebrews 13 begins with an application. Down from the height of this great revelation, something begins to flow that is practical and applies to all that we do. And what it is, we'll consider now. You let your mind rest on the grand and noble and wonderful truths of the greatness of our Savior and the greatness of His salvation and the greatness of our standing and position in Him. And all that you do and all of your labors and all the duties you seek to fulfill will graciously and with deep humility flow down from them. But you attempt to be Morally good apart from these truths, you attempt to somehow aspire to some level of practice and activity, and you'll be pushing a river uphill. You'll be trying by your own self-righteous efforts to pursue and to express some noble activity, and it will not flow down. It will not move down from your life. It will be pushing it out. That's how most people try to live their moral life. I'll be a good person. I'll be a better person. I'll prove that I can do this. I'll be a person who will make my pledges and my vows, and I'll keep them, and I'll work, and I'll labor, and I'll show that I'm... A... It's like pushing water up a hill. It doesn't work very well. It makes life awful muddy is all. You'll get in a bog and be in a puddle. You come to these great truths, and you lock your heart and your mind in them, and you rest them, and you see that God has brought you to them, and then life, life becomes easy. Listen, it becomes easy. When the Christian life is hard, it's because you've not lost yourself in the Christian gospel. When the Christian life becomes difficulty and a trudge, it's because you've not let yourself be captivated in the fullness of Christ. It's because you've got down in the meticulous things of duties. you've listened to too many how-to sermons. You've tried to find some formula to fulfill. You've tried to do something that makes you feel that you could draw back some little nagging sense of guilt because your performance hasn't measured up and it becomes a drudge and it becomes hard and it becomes a bog. But when the Christian life is lived out of the expression of the fullness of everything that is in Jesus Christ and you become captivated by Him and you're caught up in the wonder of who He is, then the life itself is easy. It flows generously and fully and I would even say copiously. Jesus said, come unto me. And what would happen? Trickles being pushed upstream of moral behavior. Rivers of living water will flow out of your inmost being. Christian life was not something you were to trudge a hill up to receive. Christ takes you there. By grace, he takes you there and mounts you for eternity. Mounts you in the highest place in himself and then out of that, and then out of that, Only then come these applications, come these expressions. So here's the expression. Everything flows from this. So what are the great truths that are realized by this flow of the life of faith out of the great truths and the grand truths of our expression? What is identified foremost as the first practical expression of this reality? Well, it's this. It says, let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Let's look at a few of these at least and then we'll conclude here. Our author uses the word here for brotherly love as Philadelphia. It's the love expressed in kindness and thoughtfulness. It's a unique word that's expressed in the consideration of another. The early church in Jerusalem broke into spontaneous and extraordinary expressions of brotherly love when they first came to the Lord Jesus and believed in Him, didn't they? In a moment, they were brought out of their sins and they were brought out of the condemnation that had cut them to the hearts and they were lifted onto a mount of salvation. And in that expression out from their lives began to flow such profound and wonderful expressions of generosity and kindness and consideration for one another. And it wasn't legislated. It just flowed out from their lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 describes this immediate impulse of love and considerate, brotherly love that was expressed in the early church. It says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, that wasn't a law. It wasn't legislating. It didn't continue through the history of the early church. It was just an immediate expression of a large group of people who had found Jesus all at once. They found themselves all together at once celebrating in His forgiveness and His rule in their hearts, and time has passed. They've wrestled over their doctrine. They've experienced wave upon wave of persecution. They've divided over various views of leadership and practice, and they've tried to figure out how they're to express themselves and find their Jewishness while relating to Gentile believers as well. The faith of some is growing cold as well. Some are retreating back into Judaism. The initial wave of enthusiasm has come and gone. But under all of those things and all of those changes and all of those shifts and all of that attrition that's been rolling over them, a changed heart and those who've been true to Christ has left an instinct within them to love the brethren. And the author says, continue with that. Keep going with that. Keep building upon that. The person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ comes through that doorway all by himself, but when he comes through the doorway, he's not by himself. He's with others. And the very moment he finds himself loved of God and he finds himself loving those that God loves. It just happens. It's a part of the regenerate new life that God gives us, the new life that he puts within us. And their instinct is to love all those that are in the fellowship and all that are identified with Christ and The author is saying, from this great truth, continue in that love. He's not saying start it. It it already began. It began way back when they first responded, probably 30, 35 years prior to this letter being written. He's saying continue in that. Keep nurturing that. Let me just make some qualifications that we have to note about how love works. First, Brotherly love works from a changed heart and life. We've kind of said that, haven't we? It finds its impulse in the presence of Christ dwelling within us. It endures because His love endures. It continues because His love continues. You remember when the Lord Jesus went to the last meal and He gathered with His disciples that the apostle John tells us describes it this way as that meal began, it says that Jesus, loving his disciples, loved them into the end. In other words, he loved them from beginning to end. He was always with them. He always was concerned for them, always cared for them. And it's his enduring love that is within us because he enduringly loves through us. We're called to have an enduring love that springs from Christ living within us and continues on and on and on, and it can because... Christ never stops loving. He never stops loving. Here's a second thing we can notice here. Now, understand that brotherly love begins with Jesus abiding within you. And then understand this. It continues with Jesus abidingly expressing his life within you. It continues because we give place to Christ's life within us. And we let him live his life out from us. He must be The one who is guiding and leading all of our impulses. He must be the one who is directing and steering all of the reactions of our lives. And by the way, all of us at times live our lives based upon impulses. You get cut off on the road when you're driving, you have an impulse. You have some encounter that's negative to yourself. You have an impulse. You find to hear some word that somebody's gossiping about you. You know you have an impulse. There are these impulses that come upon you, and before long, and you you can rush to your impulse. You can rush to that activity. But here's the deal: you have an opportunity to choose who is going to lead in your life. The Savior has revealed Himself in all this greatness and all this wonder, loving you, coming to redeem you and save you, lifting you and exalting you to the highest place in heavenly glory, giving you a standing with Him that will never pass away, a God who is supreme in love, and He wants to lead you in that reaction to love. Or you can follow your instinct, and you can almost always tell whose instinct you followed in any reaction or activity. If the instinct was to love, if the instinct was to put the other person first, if the instinct was the consideration of them, if the instinct was kindness and graciousness and mercy, your instinct was being led by the Savior. I'm not saying that just on our own fleshiness, just in our own power, we don't at times. We don't at times have an instinct to love others. But usually it's in response to being loved. Usually it's in response to them doing something favorable for us. Usually it's an expression because it makes us feel good about how we're acting towards that individual. And at best, our own human expressions of love are inconsistently applied. Jesus isn't. He's consistent in loving. And so learn this, that love continues, brotherly love continues as you let Christ rule from your heart. But that's not the reaction that was found in my life at that moment. You know who was leading. You know who you were following. And it, it wasn't Jesus. Let brotherly love continue. Here's a third thing. Love must be practiced. It isn't a feeling. It isn't just an intention. It isn't purposing to do well. It's not meaning well. It's an action. And it's a continuing action. It's not doing something once so you can feel good about yourself. It's doing something and abiding in an activity over and over again. Let brotherly love continue. The idea of love, by the way, has been thrown about with such a broad and undefined usage that nowadays loving people just means being positive, having positive thoughts about them. Love is not saying anything or doing anything that makes them feel bad or makes us feel bad. Usually, if you really, really love me, you don't make me feel bad is how it's kind of devolved down to. We think that loving people means being indulgent or permissive to their ideas and their attitudes and their actions without making any judgment. Often love has become a term that we use to obligate people to our own way of thinking. We don't say it, but this is what we mean sometimes. If you loved me, you'd see things my way. Or if you loved me, you wouldn't get in my way. Presently, it seems that the call to love is being used anytime and anyone, anytime anyone wants us to back away from any expression that challenges what they want to do or what they want to feel. It can make the idea of loving very confusing. It can almost dilute it. It seems to be the word that's being thrown around. But in order to avoid this confusion, let me suggest something for you. Let me suggest that you take this idea of love and that you practice it in practical ways and you find practical ways to express it. That's what the author is doing here. He's talking about love, but now he's going to give us practical ways to apply it. He says, love in hosting and providing for strangers. Very practical. He's going to say love in caring for those who are suffering for their faith. He's going to say love by pursuing and celebrating purity in marriage, by keeping yourself pure before marriage and keeping yourself solely under your wife in marriage. He's going to say practice love by being content and resting in contentment. You love people more now that you're a follower of Jesus and living in the grace of Christ's saving work. Don't rest in that sentiment. Think of ways to put that love into real expressions. Put it into practice. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Evangelism and Discipleship Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism. And your support to our radio program and that work is greatly appreciated. To learn more about that work, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship here in Boise, go to Bread of Life Boise. Until the next time, may God bless you.